Some of my fondest memories of being a kid with my dad was this time that we spent fishing. He was an avid fisherman. It was something he learned from his father, something that they did very often. And I imagine it's something that my grandfather did with my great-grandfather. Most summers, my family would rent a cottage on a small inland lake in northern Michigan. And my dad always made sure that that place would have a little dock with about a 14-foot boat with an outboard motor that he could take out and go fishing on. And he always made sure that he would take me. Now, I'll admit it wasn't easy because the best time to fish is around sunrise. So oftentimes we'd get up about 5.30 or 6 in the morning. But I certainly remember that feeling of boarding the boat with a glassy lake the sun reflecting through the forest and the water, and just sitting out there floating with my dad for hours and hours. When you fish with someone, there's a way that silence has a way of taking up space. Oftentimes, we wouldn't say anything at all for hours on end. But I still felt his presence, and I think that he felt mine as well, while we had our poles in the water. Sometimes we would find a good spot near a reedy part of the lake. And sometimes he'd flip the motor on the lowest setting and we would just troll back and forth. Sometimes we caught fish and sometimes we didn't. But it didn't really matter because by the time we came back in and it was time for breakfast, we had spent some really quality time together fishing. In the gospel message that we hear today, it's the call of Jesus to the very first disciples. And he tells them that they will become fishers of people if they follow him. What a delight to be called by Jesus to come fishing with him. I can imagine it being early in the morning when he was passing them by, saying, come on into my boat. The gospel says that they left everything that they were doing and followed him. Then Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in synagogues and proclaiming the good news. That's what fishing meant to him. And to be his disciple means to be sitting in that boat with him on that glassy lake on a summer morning, spending quality time with Jesus, enjoying his presence while he enjoys yours. There is, of course, another component to this story, and that's the fish. Have you ever wondered what this story sounds like from the perspective of the fish? Well, maybe not. But there was a theologian a long time ago who did. And every time I hear about fish in the gospel, I always turn to him. His name was Basil of Caesarea. He was the bishop of a diocese in what is now central Turkey in the fourth century. He was a staunch defender of the poor and made sure that the church's primary mission was to serve those who were most in need. He left behind many writings, and one of them is a discourse on the creation narrative in Genesis about when God is making the world. And he preached a long, long sermon on the verse about God creating the creatures of the deep, 
the fish. I wanted to read for you a passage of what he wrote about the fish. Basil writes this. The food of fish differs according to their species. Some feed on mud. Of course, we know that's not true. Others eat seaweed. That is true. Others content themselves with the herbs that grow in the water. That sounds delicious. But the greater part devour each other. And the smaller is food for the larger. And if one which has possessed itself of a fish weaker than itself becomes a prey to another, the conqueror and the conquered are both swallowed up in the belly of the last. And we mortals, do we act otherwise when we press our inferiors? What difference is there between the last fish and the man who, impelled by devouring greed, swallows the weak in the folds of his insatiable avarice? Yon fellow possessed the goods of the poor. You caught him and made him a part of your abundance. You have shown yourself more unjust than the unjust and more miserly than the miser. Look to it, lest you end like the fish, by hook, by wheel, or by net. Surely we too, when we have done the deeds of the wicked, shall not escape punishment at the last. Basil touches on the dark side of this story, of this metaphor of the fish. If you're really interested, he has a very interesting passage about squid, too, but we're going to skip that for this morning. In Basil's mind, the ocean is a fish-eat-fish world. The minnow eats some plankton or small microorganism and grows up only to be eaten by a larger fish, which is perhaps food for a tuna, which then swims in its school until it comes upon a shark that eats them all. And in the end, some rapacious fisherman puts down his net and plucks all of them up out of the sea, only to eat the ones that are most valuable and throw the rest back as trash. This is not the world that God envisioned when God created the monsters of the deep and the fishes of the sea. We know this because of the witness of Jesus in the New Testament. And yet it is so often true. Reading Basil put me in mind of some of the other aspects of fishing with my father. In fact, it was the first time that I realized that I am a predator too. Because you see, once you pull the fish out of the lake and bring it home, that's not the end of the story. If you want to eat it, You have to kill it. My dad had a long bowie knife that he would keep sharpened for occasions when we would catch fish. And we'd bring the fish out to the shore, and he'd slice their heads off, and then remove the flesh from the rest of their bodies and fillets. I remember the very first time he put my hand on the blade of the knife and told me to slit open the belly of the fish to take its guts out. It was important for him to know where I stood in the order of creation, that I was not without culpability, that I too caused violence in the world, 
And of course, there were those times when you dug the blade into the soft belly of the fish and opened it up, and sometimes smaller fish would fall out because that fish, too, was a predator. Fishing is actually a pretty violent exercise. It's hunting, but for lakes and for seas. And when you do it, unless it's a catch-and-release kind of gig, someone or something is going to die. To die for your amusement, for your pleasure, for your appetite. Unfortunately, it is this type of predatory violence that has become the practice of most American Christians when they think about this passage from the Bible. Discipleship and evangelism should not be matters of going into other people's business and changing their lives just so you can catch them up in a net and make them more like yours. When Christians do that, they are no better than those industrial trawlers who sail the oceans with long nets behind them, pulling up everything behind them and bringing them into the hull of the ship. I would imagine that most of you know that feeling. Perhaps you've been on the subway minding your own business when a person with a loud voice comes by and tells everyone they're sinners and going to hell to repent and turn to Jesus. It's not a nice feeling because that person has never actually asked you anything about your faith and what you believe. Perhaps you've been at a family holiday when a zealous relative tries to convert you to their own understanding of the faith. While you here come to church, either every week or from time to time, but have your own faith life. And what an insult it is for someone not to acknowledge the depth of your own faith and try to impose theirs on yours. And then, of course, this type of spiritual violence happens in our society, at the national level, and even at the global level, with a political takeover of our organs of power in this country to try to impose values that come from a certain type of religion that might be alien to most of us, even if we are both Christians. You see, this type of fishing for people is not the type of fishing for people that Jesus invited those first disciples to. Jesus invited them to hop into the boat with him so that they could go on a great adventure, healing, preaching the gospel, setting those free who need a message of salvation and liberation. He was not handing them a net to catch people indiscriminately and pull them up and watch as they died, their gills pulsating as they tried to grasp for oxygen in the water. That is, unfortunately, so often what it feels like to be evangelized in that kind of way. And yet, friends, Jesus is calling us to be fishers of people. And yet he calls us to be peaceful fisher people, to join with him in his mission. Think again about Basil's perspective on the gospel. He is asking not just what it feels like in this story to be the fisherman, but also to be the fish. When you are the fisherman and you cast your net into the ocean, 
and you pull up a catch. Perhaps what Jesus is asking you to do is to consider for a moment what it's like for those fish. To consider your own common beingness with them, your place in creation. To have an encounter with a person or a creature or a thing that you hadn't thought of before because they were hidden in a place that you couldn't see. Maybe being fishers of people means a genuine, deep, and authentic spiritual encounter with someone that you had never considered before. That's certainly what Basil's ministry was. He came from a privileged background and dedicated his life to serving those most in need in his society at a time when his ministry was sorely needed. And in doing so, he shaped the mission of the church and handed down spiritual wisdom for centuries upon centuries, giving the church a focus and an idea of what the purpose is of following this fisherman that we call Jesus. When we react and respond to Jesus' call for us to be disciples in this way, it is not an act of violence committed against innocent creatures. Rather, it is a moment of transformation, as much for us as for them. And as if to prove the point, Jesus himself showed us where he stands in the food chain. On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, This is my body, which is given for you. And ever since then, we gather to eat his body, to transform him, our Lord and Savior, into the tiniest of minnows that will swim around in our own bellies, proving to us that God, the Almighty, is also the smallest and the most vulnerable and the most willing to feed us in all of our needs. So friends, yes, go out and be fishers of people, but do it so that you can understand more about God, so that the fellowship of love that God has created in this world can expand and grow and drive away the evils of this life and so that this kingdom may look more like what God intended it to look like, one harmonious planet full of creatures and people of all kinds who live together and coexist in love. And when you happen upon Jesus in your own fishing journey, remember that he is the smallest of the minnows. And so feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. Amen.